Genesis chapter 8. Genesis chapter 8. Chapter 1, overview. Remember the overview of the seven days, right? Overview of seven days and what's happening. It's kind of like the overview of what happened. God creating the earth and resting on the seventh day. Creating everything and resting on the seventh day. Chapter 2, what do we see? We see a, the telescope, the zoom in, the close-up on what's happening there in creation. Over the seven days, what was happening there? Chapter 3, what do we see? Oh, the beginning of man. Or the beginning, the story begins. The story begins of the Bible. Adam and Eve, being there in the garden, getting deceived. Chapter 4, we see Cain and Abel. Eve having Cain and Abel. Remember Cain's pain, man. Him getting drop-kicked because he decided not to change. He decided to stick to what he was doing in that time. That's a bummer. He decided not to change. He decided not to repent. Cain's pain. We see chapter 5. We see the genealogy. You know the genealogy. Remember Adam to Noah. We see what? The gospel message right there in the genealogy. If you don't know it, go back and listen to the message. Remember, you can listen to all these messages on JustJesusStuff.com. JustJesusStuff.com. There's a podcast on there. It's called Godcast. You can type in Godcast on podcast, and uh, you'll see a picture of me, a geeky picture of me and my buddy Christian on there out there in the desert together, and um, you can download all the messages. You can also download all the scripture worship. All the scripture worship we do, it's all on downloaded there. You can all download the entire CD. It's like, it's all free. Everything's free, you know. And, uh, yeah, there's 50 scripture worship songs on there that you can learn. It's awesome. Memorize the scriptures easily. Genesis chapter 5. Genesis chapter 6. We see the days of Noah. The days of Noah began, and we see the days start to multiply, we see the ark start to be built. Genesis chapter 7, we saw last week, we saw the floods come. In Genesis chapter 8, we are here now, watching Noah as the waters are starting to calm, and everything's coming to rest. And let's read together. Genesis chapter 8, listen closely. I'm reading out of King James, so bear with me. I love this text. I'll break it down for you. And God remembered Noah. God didn't forget Noah. He continued to remember him. He never stopped remembering him. That's the implication there. It's awesome. God never stops remembering you. He never stops thinking about you. You are on his mind all the time. That doesn't make sense to me. Why would you think about me all day, Lord? I can see the Lord getting up early in the morning and fixing you breakfast, getting up early in the morning. I wonder if he's going to notice Breakfast ready. Hey Amen. Thanks for the breakfast, Lord. We pray our little prayer, and then we go on our way, and maybe the Lord, you know, makes that perfect, you know, sunrise in the sky when you walk outside. It's nice and crisp out and everything. And he puts that thought in your mind. It's beautiful out, you know, but you just pray the Lord's like, the Lord's like, Josh, I, just, I did that for you. And Okay, I'll try again, you know. The Lord comes and brings me to lunch, and again, my little 30-second prayer, you know, thank you, Lord, and move on with my day. The sunset comes, of course, and it's beautiful, and the most beautiful painting ever painted on the face of the earth, and it's made just for me. My eyes are looking at that sunset and that place. Nobody else is standing where I'm standing when I'm looking at that sunset, and I'm seeing something awesome. I'm seeing something beautiful, and I forget the king. Ah, that's cool. The Lord remembers us constantly. He's thinking about us. He wants to be with us. I believe the wind is the, the, the voice.
Lord trying to get your attention. The wind blows a lot. I know. It's the Lord trying to get your attention all day long. And blowing on you, blowing on me. He loves us. He wants to spend time with us. God remembered Noah and every living thing and all the cattle that was with him in the ark. And God made a wind to pass over the earth. That word wind is the same word used for spirit. It's ruach. To pass over the earth and the waters saved. And the fountains also of the deep and the windows of heaven were stopped. And the rain from heaven was restrained. Interesting. The windows of heaven were stopped. As if when it started, the windows were opened. The windows of heaven were actually open. Remember the canopy around the earth, right? That's how it was back when it was like a giant greenhouse. Water all over the earth, like some kind of bubble. The earth inside of this water package, like a baby, inside of a inside of the mother's womb, and, and inside the water. It, it, it was surrounding the earth somehow, but not touching the ground. And all of a sudden, the windows of heaven just burst open. And all of a sudden, the water came pouring down like windows. And then what does it say? It says the windows of heaven were stopped, or the window closed. As if God has complete control of the rain at all times, and he does. The rain is very interesting. Have you ever poured a cup of water out off of the top of a building? You see how it dissipates very quickly? You know, right? You dump it off the top of the building. By the time it hits the ground, it's going to be nothing. It's just going to be mist, right? Think about it. When a raindrop hits your head, especially big raindrops, think about how big they were when they started. How big was it when it came out of that cloud? This big? To form into this little drop perfectly and hit you on the head? And you feel that perfect splatter. You start to see it on the ground. Little drops everywhere. So intricate. So, so unbelievable. How does that work? Does God just take a glass of water and dump it out? And <sighs> That's a pretty big glass of water every single time it rains. And that is impossible. How does a raindrop stay intact for so long before it hits the ground? I don't know. It's a mystery. How much speed does that piece, does that piece of water catch before it hits the ground? And it doesn't lose its form. It's amazing. It's unbelievable. God controls that rain. Be reminded of the grace-like rain that falls down on me when it rains. Be reminded of that grace-like rain that falls down on you all the days of your life, nonstop. The grace, the rain grace or the grace-like rain that falls down on you will never stop falling down on you for the rest of your life. That's right, my friend. If you sin today, if you sin a million more times the rest of your life, it's all forgiven, all forgotten. God doesn't care. He says, hey, it's all been nailed to the cross. It's all been forgotten. What? Josh, you can't tell us that. And that sounds like I have a license to sin. I can just go and do whatever I want. What? You're forgiven. That's right. You can go and sin a hundred times if you want to, and you are forgiven. But guess what? When you sin, you crucify yourself. What does sin do to you? Hey, look at the cross. You're going to be bloodied before you know it. So hey, you can sin all you want and you'll be forgiven for it. I promise you that God loves you that much. No person will do that for you on the face of the earth. You, you, you sin against them a million times, no forgiveness. You sin against them three times, you're done. But God will never stop forgiving you. Are the repercussions? Yep, you're going to get crucified. Sin crucifies you. 
you will cut yourself and bleed to death, and you will end up depressed, bummed out, and down in life. You will hate this life. Go look at our friends who party. Go look at our friends who don't follow the king and think they have their own way of life. Look at how messed up things are. Hey, hey, uh, life is fun. Uh, I can't have fun unless I have some kind of substance or something to make me happy, but uh, I like life, you know. What if every single substance was taken away from you and you just had to live your life without a boat or without a cool car or without money or without drugs and alcohol and sex? What if all that was taken away? I just want to kill myself then. That's exactly right. But me and you, friends, family, we don't have to do that. We have happiness in this moment because we're going to heaven when we die. We have happiness in this moment because our sin has been forgiven. We have happiness in this moment because of what Jesus has done for you and for me. And now when we go on that boat, guess what? We get double the fun. And now when we go jump off that cliff, hey, it's a hundred times more fun. And when we go and have sex with our wives one day, our husbands one day, it's a million times more fun and more wonderful, correct? That's the truth. When you live for Jesus and you realize that grace like rain every single day, life is wonderful. You've been forgiven. When you realize your forgiveness, you will start to live for God like never before. I promise you that. What do you mean, Josh? Remember, if you punch me in the face and I forgive you, then you punch me in the face and I forgive you, and you punch me in the face and I forgive you, and you punch me in the face and I forgive you, 50 times punching in the face I forgive you, one day it will hit you like a ton of bricks how much God has forgiven you. The day that happens, you realize how much you've been forgiven. You'll start to live for God like never before. Because after punching a man or a hundred or a thousand times in the face and he still forgives you, one day you start saying, I don't want to punch you in the face anymore. You have been so good to me. You've forgiven me. And the same with the king. I don't want to sin. Sin cuts me and makes me bleed. Sin messes up my life and makes everything just lame. Sin is a slap to the king in the face after he's forgiven me a thousand times already. I don't want to do that. And Johnny C., I remember in the desert, he said, You know what, Josh? I don't have a testimony. I've never really done anything huge. I've never looked at a porno. I've never didn't do anything with a girl outside of marriage. I didn't party. I never drank. I never smoked. I never just didn't do that stuff. And the truth is, I never wanted to. Because the king's been so good to me. He blesses me nonstop. He forgives me for all the little things. I don't want to do that to him. Holiness is happiness, my friends. Holiness is happiness. Seek the face of God. Realize that grace like rain. When it rains, realize that the grace never stops falling on you and me. When the sun's out, realize the sun has risen for you and for me, and that's where all of our power comes from. Our Jesus, our King, has risen from that dead. And the sun rises every single day to remind us that He is risen and what He has done for you. Don't forget. Don't miss it. The windows of heaven were shut up and the rain was stopped. 
verse 3, And the waters returned from off the earth continually. And after the end of the 150 days, the waters were abated. And the ark rested in the seventh month on the seventeenth day of the month upon the mountains of Ararat. Mountains of Ararat. Did you hear that? The Mount Ararat is in Turkey. And you can go there right now. And a lot of Bible scholars say that Noah's Ark is there on Mount Ararat. And a couple years ago, I was actually doing a, uh, a study, and I was trying to figure out a bunch of stuff about Noah's Ark. And they had one of like, the hottest summers ever. And so a bunch of explorers went up there, because it's covered in snow. It's up in Mount Ararat. That's why you can't see. You don't know whether, it's on, whether or not it's the Ark. So a bunch of explorers went up there to try to see if this thing was for real. And there's lots of people taking pictures, but... The Turks kind of like won't let us go up there and really check this thing out and really uncover it, really undig it. And um, it needs to be done, and that's something we need to pray for. But I wonder if it's just the hand of God like holding back. Everybody says, God, why don't you just let everybody see? If everybody sees, then they'll all believe. We'll know that there's a God. We'll know that there was Noah's Ark. Au contraire. The Israelites saw the Red Sea part right before their eyes. And they still mocked God afterwards. Where is our manna? What are we going to do? We eat? You brought us out here in the desert to die. You idiots. Hasn't God, didn't God just part the Red Sea right Well, That might have been coincidence. The wind must have come and just opened it up. Or that big wood thing up there, you know, might have happened. It was the Vikings, you know, way back. Jesus, man. So, it says this mountain right there in Mount Ararat. And it is there in Mount Ararat. I believe it's there. And it's sitting there. And it's waiting for the Lord to... It's just going to be awesome when the Lord kills back the sky and then all of a sudden everything is revealed before our eyes. It's like, here, there's that. It's, there's the Ark of the Covenant. There's where the Garden of Eden used to be. There's, you know... I mean... You know what? What's the specs on the bottom of the Red Sea? Jake, you know? Bottom of the Red Sea? The finding? Did you hear that? Skeletal remains and chariots at the bottom. Oh, horse, horse bones, right? And chariots. Go ahead. I go into it. Um, yeah, real quick. Everybody thinks that the Golden Cross Red Sea at the Gulf of Suez is actually the Gulf of Aqaba. And the two pillars that were found in the Red Sea on either side of the sea. That's right. They were replaced by King Solomon. It's actually engraved on there. The pillars were replaced by King Solomon. Is that sticky or what? So that's right. Under the Red Sea, there are pillars sitting there. Under there, you can... I don't, they, Ron White has pictures of them, right? Or, yeah. You, Ron White, you write that down. Check it out on the website. He's got pictures of these pillars. King Solomon put these pillars there in remembrance of the Red Sea crossing. And then down there, they found chariot parts and they found all kinds of stuff. Don't mess with the king. Don't mess with him. Stuff is there. Verse 5, And the waters decreased continually until the tenth month, and the tenth month on the first day of the month were the tops of the mountain seen. The tenth month, the first day of the tenth month were the tops of the mountain. Remember? So, how long has it been? It's been about two and a half months, and 15 cubits of water had dropped. Because remember it said, it was 15 cubits of water above the highest mountain, or about 20 to 25 feet above the highest mountain. That's how high the waters got, okay? And so now within two and a half months, the waters have dropped 15 cubits. So now we're seeing the top of the mountains here. 
And it came to pass, verse 6, the end of the forty days, that Noah opened the window of the ark which he had made. And he sent forth a raven which went to and fro until the waters were dried up from off the earth. A raven, did you see that? He sent a raven. Let's read all the way through there. And verse 8. And he also sent a dove from him to see if the waters were abated from off the face of the ground. But the, bu- the dove found no rest for the sole of her foot, and she returned unto him into the ark. For the waters were on the face of the whole earth. Then he put forth his hand and took her and pulled her into him into the ark. Notice he refers to the dove as a her. Interesting. Notice that first he sent out the raven. And what does it say? It went to and fro amongst the waters. To and fro. Is there anywhere else you see to and fro? The raven is a picture of what? Evil. A raven is always a type of evil in the Bible. The raven to and fro over the waters of the earth. We know one who goes to and fro of the earth seeking whom may devour. To and fro from the earth. Pretty much going to rip off every single one of our friends and family members. It's the enemy. It's the evil. It is the one. The picture there, I don't know why. I was going to look that up and do a deep study on it. Did not get a chance to? Maybe you should do that. Why would you send out a raven first? Why didn't you just send out the dove first? Why a raven? What, is, what specifically does a raven do over a dove? And why wouldn't you send out the dove first? Or why would you send out a raven period? I don't know. Good study. And he sent forth a raven. And then what? He also sent forth a dove from him to see if the waters were abated from off the face of the earth. So he sent out a dove to see if the waters were gone. There's obviously, they saw the mountaintops, right? But he's trying to see how much. Obviously, I guess he couldn't see. He couldn't see that far enough to see whether or not there was dry land to actually land on or actually live on. And so he sent a dove out to figure it out. Verse 9, But the dove found no rest for the sole of her feet, and she returned to him into the ark, for the waters were on the face of the whole earth. And then he put forth his hand and took her and pulled her into him in the ark. Interesting phrase there, that word pulled her in. It says, the Hebrew there means caused her to come. Caused her to come. Interesting. I wonder if he had somehow trained this bird. You know, I truly believe that Adam and Eve could communicate with the animals 100%. They used 100% of their minds, and we use what? It's like 10 or 13% or some small percentage. We're idiots. But they used 100% of their minds, maybe some kind of telepathy, some kind of way they could communicate with the animals. We now can train dogs and cats and all kinds of crazy animals, elephants, you name it. And so, of course, Noah could train a dove to come back to him. It says that he caused her to come to him. Caused. He caused the dove to come to him. Amazing. Amazing. Either it was the hand of God or maybe... It was the hand of God, of course it was. But I was thinking, secondly, it was Noah, of course, giving instruction to this dove, training it in some way, or maybe communicating to it, I don't know. He pulled it in, and verse 10, And he stayed yet another seven days, and again he sent forth the dove out of the ark. So he waits seven days. And then he sends out the dove again. Verse 11, And the dove came unto him, 
in the evening. So it was gone all day, it seems like. And lo, in her mouth was an olive leaf plucked off. Hmm. Olive leaf, interesting. So Noah knew that the water were abated from off the earth. The dove is a picture of the Holy Spirit. The dove is always a picture of the Holy Spirit. Remember? I believe it was the dove that descended upon Jesus, correct? And a dove came down and the Holy Spirit had filled him there. It's a picture of the Spirit. Noah being filled with the Spirit there in that time, what was also with an olive leaf or an olive tree branch there? Remember when you come before the elders or when someone is sick, what do you do? You anoint them with what? Olive oil? You anoint them with oil? This picture of the Spirit once again. It's nothing mystical or magical. Listen, let's put oil on your head and now you're going to be healed. No! It's to let a person know that it is God that does the healing. It is a mark showing that it is the Holy Spirit that is going to heal you, not man. It's not Benny Hen throwing his coat on you or blowing on you. That's not what heals you. It's the Holy Spirit. It's our King. It's Jesus. The picture of the Spirit. Verse 12, And he stayed yet another seven days, and sent forth a dove which returned not again unto him any more. He stayed another seven days, 14 days total. And he let the dove go, and it came back to him no more. There's all kinds of crazy prophecy stuff happening there that I cannot go into, but I wish, wish I could. All kinds of things, pictures lining up with end times prophecy everywhere here in this text. Study it. You guys are Bible scholars. I know you can look into it yourself. Verse 13, And it came to pass in the 601st year, in the first month, and the first day of the month, the waters were dried up from the earth, and Noah removed the covering of the ark, and looked, and behold, the face of the ground was dry. There it was. In verse 14, And in the second month, on the seventh, on the seventh and twentieth day of the month, was the earth dried. And God spake unto Noah, saying, Go forth out of the ark, thou and thy wife and thy sons, and thy sons' wives with thee. Noah was 377 days in the ark. 377 days in the ark. And he did not hear the voice of God for a very long time. It was a very long time. Noah bobbing up and down in those waters, wondering what to do. I wonder if he questioned. I wonder if he doubted in his mind many times, when am I going to land? When do I get off this thing? What am I supposed to do? And so it is with us sometimes. Maybe you're on that ship right now, and maybe you're bobbing around, and you've heard God speak to you in the past. You heard his voice clearly. You were supposed to build that ark. You were supposed to do that thing. You're not exactly sure where to go next. Maybe it seems like 300-something days since the Lord has spoken to your heart. He's going to speak, my friends. He's going to give you wisdom. The last time God spoke to Noah in verse 7, I mean chapter 7, verse 1, this is what he says. The first word he said was, Come. Come now, all thy house unto the ark. Come. Come to me, all ye that are heavy laden burdened, and I will give you rest. Come. The first thing God tells you always to do is what? Come to me. Come to me and get your fill. Come to me and be blessed. 
Come to me and pleasure and bless me. Come to me and minister unto me, Josh, please. We come to God and we bless His heart and we love on Him. We give Him our problems and situations, trials and tribulations. We come to Him and get filled, right? And then what's the next thing He says to us? It's right there in verse 15 of chapter 8. Go. He says, come, the first thing, and then second, the next thing, the first word of the second thing He says is always go. Come and be filled, and now go forth and share with the people. Go forth and do this. Maybe you're bobbing around on the sea and you're waiting for the word of the Lord. He is going to speak to you. Remain faithful. Continue to be filled. Continue to seek His face. Continue to stay locked in. Continue to stay encouraged. Maybe you need to send that dove out a couple times. Maybe it might be three times before you get an answer. Before you know the ground is dry. The Lord will speak to you. He will give you signs. Be led by the Spirit. Wait for the word of the Lord. Verse 16 there, it says, Go forth, God says, Go forth of the ark, thou wife, and thy sons, and thy sons' wives with thee. Bring forth with thee every living thing that is with thee of all flesh, both of fowl, that's the bird, and of the cattle, and of every creeping thing that creeps on the earth, that they may breed abundantly in the earth and be fruitful and multiply upon the earth. And Noah went forth. Noah listened to the voice of God. Quick joke. Who was the first one to get off the ark? It wasn't Noah. Because it says right there in verse 18, Noah went forth. Ah, ah, ah. you got work. Noah went forth. And his sons and his wife and his sons' wives with him. 19. Every beast, every creeping thing, every fowl, remember bird, and whatsoever creeps on the earth, and their kinds went forth out of the ark. I love it. This is amazing, this next verse. Stay tuned. Don't miss out. Check this out. Verse 20, And Noah built an altar unto the Lord, and took every clean beast of every clean fowl, and offered burnt offerings on the altar. If you were on a ship for over 300 days, what would be the first thing that you would do when you got off? Maybe go and kiss the ground. Maybe run and find a spot that you're going to have your house. you got the whole earth at your fingertips. Maybe go and run through the jungle and roll through the grass. Maybe just lay there in the sun and get a nice tan. Maybe start thinking about all the plans that you want to do to build up your business and your success and what you want to do. Maybe try to figure out where your family's going to live and start marking out the grounds of where everybody's going to stay. Maybe start herding off all the animals, making sure everybody's, you know, set in place and the animals are set. No. Noah did not do that. And this is the heart of a man who seeks the face of God. The first thing he did was get off and build an altar. You can tell that that man was altered. He was changed. He was different. 
when he got off that ark, it says he sacrificed every clean animal. You know how long that took? Remember? He took seven of every clean animal so that he could sacrifice every single one of those clean animals. And that he could have some still to let go and repopulate. And Noah got off and he started working away. And he slaughtered those animals and he laid them before the Lord and he praised the Lord because of that. Because of what the Lord had done. He remembered the voice of the Lord. Man, I love that. Man, that's sweet. The first thing in the morning when we wake up and we're excited about doing this or about doing that, we should build an altar. We should come and be altered. We should come and give the best unto the king of what he deserves. For he's brought us through that flood of yesterday. He's brought us through that quiet time. On the ark with a bunch of animals. That's your workplace. I don't know. But Noah, man, he loved the king. He built an altar and the Lord looked and was so pleased. Look what's happened. Verse 21. And the Lord smelled a sweet savor. And the Lord said in his heart, I will not again curse the ground anymore for man's sake. Did you see that? The Lord smelled a sweet savor. The Lord is pleased. It smells so good to him. It smells better than the Jack Daniels burger over at Friday. Smell better than man, that fresh barbecue on that summer day, starving, just in swimming. Smells better than the greatest dessert, the greatest cake you could ever think of. The Lord looked down and said, Man, that's my boy. He came off that ark and I gave him a huge playground to go and play on, and nope, he built an altar for me. Maybe like the little boy that gets to Disneyland and Daddy's there with him, you know. And he says, all right, son, anything you want to do, you, you know, let's go. And he looks around and maybe says something like, you know, Daddy, I just want to be with you today. I want to make sure you go on all the rides with me. I just want to be here with you. I don't care about all the rides. That is the heart of the man who serves God. That is the Proverbs 31 woman. That is the one who loves the king with all their heart, mind, and soul. May we be that, my friend. May we hide that in our... Would that, would that be the first thing of your day? Would that be the first thing of every single way in your life? Would the king come before anybody, anything, anytime, anywhere? I was just talking to Aaron, man, last night about somebody who, at the drop of the hat, hears the voice of God and does it immediately. The kid, he quit his job on the spot because he wanted to go and go witness me. What's wrong with you, man? He said he heard the voice of the Lord and he said he needed to do that. And the Lord had another job waiting for him. 
not telling you all to go quit your jobs. No. But when God speaks to your heart that you would act now, when God says go, you'd look back and say, Pops, I'm not going anywhere without you. Alter me. I'm taking communion. I'm sacrificing. I'm remembering what you've done. Don't forget the king. Be like Noah. You know what I'm talking about? You'll get it on the way out. For the imagination of man's heart is evil within his youth. Neither will I again smite anyone anymore. Everything living as I have done. While the earth remaineth seed time and harvest, and cold and heat, and summer and winter, and day and night shall not be. That is the end of our Genesis chapter 8. <sighs> Genesis chapter 9 next week with Noah, more Noah. The rainbow being promised. Oh, snap, I love it. I'm excited. I know there wasn't much there, but praise the Lord, we get to walk with something.